remember that God is all there is. How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Good morning and welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. Hope you are ready to say yes, yes, yes to spirit. <laughs> I, I, I'm more excited about that now suddenly. <laughs> so if this is your first time listening to us, I'm Tracy and I'm Leslie. And every week we get together and have a little conversation about what it means to say yes to spirit and how do we apply saying yes to spirit to all aspects of our lives. And since we do this every week, we've quickly figured out that it might be good to have a focus for our conversations, um, and so every week we have a theme, and this week our theme is vulnerability, being oh. vulnerable. Wow. So this should be a quite interesting show. If you've listened to us before, you are probably already making up some <laughs> stories about what might happen. Um, and if uh, this is your first time listening to us, please know that you can go to the archives online and there are more than 100 shows there available for you to listen to, interact with, and laugh at and learn from and perhaps deepen your own commitment to saying yes to spirit. All of that, all of that. So before we get into vulnerability, let's see, can we connect the dots between last week's show focused on superstition yes, and this week's show focused on vulnerability? You know, I have a fabulous friend uh, by the name of Carolyn who is in our think tank that helped us come up with some topics, and she texted me a possible connect the dots. Oh, no, that's really that. good. When our listeners decide, <laughs> Tracy and Leslie, I have a connected dots, and so here it is. I thought that we was... We love you, Carolyn. I thought that was so small. So I'm going, to, I'm going to read it here. It says, just thinking ahead, superstition, vulnerability, connect the dots could be really easy to do since the majority of us become vulnerable to fallacies, religion, and superstition more than we'd like to admit. Wow. Isn't that interesting? Because majority of us become vulnerable to fallacies, religion, and superstition more than we'd like to admit. And that's a really powerful connected dots because if you were with us last week, one of the things that we talked about in the last 15 minutes of the show was how, in some ways, every religion perpetuates, builds and perpetuates superstitions as a way often of teaching a lesson Mm -hmm. or instilling a certain way to behave in its followers, Mm -hmm. but it's not scientifically true or it's not factually based, but it becomes a belief Mm 
And so making that connection that, you know, it's not um, – it's not, as Carolyn said, it's not hard to make that connection between superstition and then our vulnerability, need, needing guidance, believing right. that we need guidance or someone knows better than us, or to be part of a group, mm-hmm. whether it's a religious group, a sorority, a fraternity, a social mm-hmm. club, but, you know, to be a part of the group, we open ourselves up and vulner- we're vulnerable to influence. And see, and I love it because I think it goes either way. Either we're so vulnerable we fall prey to some institutions that maybe don't have our best interest at heart. And then the other side of that, in order to become and really say yes to spirit, the vulnerability is a part of that, being able to be vulnerable enough to say yes to spirit. So I see vulnerability. I'm really looking forward to this topic because I think it has uh, it, it can go either direction good or bad. See, now that's very unlike me. I, I have was to commit. Say, what did you I have do to with commit. I know, I have to commit to it being good or bad, not good and bad. See, so. Yeah, it's like, what did you do with <laughs> Leslie? I think I'm going to, we're going to go on a commercial break and see if we can find Leslie <laughs> in the, the next 60 <laughs> seconds. Stay with us. Welcome back to Say Yes to Spirit. Our theme today is vulnerability. And, um, yeah, that's a perfect theme for today. Vulnerability. Yes. That's a very charged word, isn't is it? it? Somehow. Is it not charged to you? Nothing's charged to you. But everything's charged to me. We make I, a good balance. We balance each other out. I have so many messages from the past that I still hold on to. But no, vulnerability has a little bit of a charge for me. Not that strong of a one, even when I was younger. But that um, being vulnerable is normal and necessary in building a really good relationship. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, the message I got was don't leave yourself open for, you know, random attack based on Mm -hmm. race or gender or age. Don't leave yourself open for direct attack. Like, do the work. Do what you say you're going to do and do your homework. Or if you're in a job, do what's expected of you. Because when you don't do that, you're vulnerable to people finding fault with you or, you know, um, which is different than a 
like do really well in school because, you know, you must achieve. You know, you must be the best in your class. I didn't get any of That's that growing up. But I got a lot of when you don't do what's expected of you, you become vulnerable to people eliminating you or um, moving you away from your opportunity. Wow. Making decisions about you that might not really reflect who you are. Ooh, do you think that's a black thing? Um, I, I, As you're saying that, I'm wondering if that was more of a pressure on you. Yeah, it was definitely in the 60s and 70s right. a, a, a consistent message in the black community for individuals right. because you were, and you know, and before that in the 40s and 50s, very much so you'd be vulnerable for physical oh, attack and physical harm if you went to the wrong neighborhood. So vulnerability was more about that than family relationships. It was almost like, you know, you knew you needed to be vulnerable to a certain degree with family. That's what helped to create mm-hmm. the trust and the relationships. But outside of that, outside of, you know, your community, you had to be careful about doing things that would make you even more vulnerable to the to the environment. To the environment, yeah. So vulnerability has a little bit of a charge, um, and as a result of that, I think, you know, a lot of, of the being independent and being self-sufficient, yes, um, the message wasn't so much about being afraid to be vulnerable as it was about being strong and independent so that you could take care of yourself. Mm. And the outcome of that is the behavior pretty much looks the same, that you might, that I might not be, or in my early adulthood especially, I wouldn't be as open to being vulnerable in a relationship. But it wasn't because I was afraid of vulnerability was because I was proving that I was self-sustaining and independent. Which kind of comes off kind of hard. The behavior looks the same. Right. But the the intention or the motivation was different. Mm -hmm. And and there wasn't a fear about being vulnerable. I think growing up, I was with so many people who were strong. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, I can count on one hand the number of adult women who I knew personally who didn't work. I mean, every, you know, oh, like if, right. if I knew 100 women, adult women, 98 of them had full-time jobs or part-time jobs or, you know, full-time jobs or two or three part-time jobs. Right, right. So that working, that being out there, that supporting your family, that being engaged in the world was about being strong and independent. But these were the same women who, you know, were had kids and cooked for picnics and family reunions. And, you know, so there was a lot of vulnerability in personal relationships at the same time of being strong and independent. But, yeah, in my 20s I began mm. to learn that people saw the strong and independent and self-sustaining behavior as being afraid to be vulnerable and yes. being intimidating. And I was like, no, uh, y'all just need to be around some strong black women and know that. that is, 
they are not mutually exclusive, and you are expected to have both in the same package. So, you know, if it's intimidating you, you need to step up or step out. Look at Tracy, yeah. all that supportive. <laughs> step up or step out. Man, poor men alongside. I just see all the poor men thrown aside. So men, yes, but even women as friends or, you know, going into college predominantly white colleges or going into the workplace mm-hmm. and being, you know, one of very few African Americans, finding that women too, white women especially, more so than black women or very sensitive white women.
the success of the individual achiever, there is a negative connotation to being vulnerable, to being open yes. to the influence or the control of some other person, even if it is your parents. I mean, you know, where do kids get the idea that if their parents discipline them, they can call the police? I mean, now I'm not talking about, you know, like injury-producing, you know, beatings or sexual abuse. I'm not talking about that. But the idea that because I don't agree, you know, it's like I, I should not be under anyone's control, even though I'm only 12 years old. It's so much a part of the U.S. culture. It's so ingrained in us from such a young age that it's no surprise that people don't want to be vulnerable. Um, and our families don't live together like they did two generations ago, where you have three and four generations, generations in the same home or within a mile of each other. We're all over the country. So if you did have a tendency to be vulnerable with your family members, but now, you know, because you your grandmother would be there when you got home from school and you had been bullied, uh -huh. right? right? And you learned to express that. And the grandmother is, you know, telling you it's okay, protecting you, soothing you, and also then encouraging you what to do. But now... You know, I think the majority of people in our nation don't live in the same cities where their grandparents or their aunts and uncles, you know, can help them in that way. And when we don't share our vulnerability, it makes us more vulnerable. I'm really stuck on that point. Yes, it's you are. It's by sharing our vulnerability that we become less vulnerable. And there's so many, there's so many people that are kind of, I'm not, you know, not like they're staying up at night. Maybe they stay up at night trying to prance on poor, vulnerable people. But you know, there there are certainly um, institutions and entities that are designed to take advantage of people feeling vulnerable and trying to give them some false sense of external acceptance that would guard against that vulnerability, whether it be looking a certain way or wearing a certain kind of clothes or having a certain kind of house or, you know, the trappings that that many of us think will then shield us from being vulnerable really ultimately at the end of the day just kind of push that common thread. Because I think there is a commonality to everybody kind of having a sense of you know, uncertainty or vulnerability. Why do I, um, I keep coming to the word gullible, but that's not what I want to say at all. But, but you know, this vulnerability, I think, is really a precious thing that when we share our vulnerability, we get stronger. And then when we don't share our vulnerability, we, we, we get more vulnerable and we become more, more, more apt to believe there's some external fix to it. Versus being able to say, gosh, you know, I got scared today about blah, 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 and then having a friend or a partner or a, you know, loved one say, oh, my goodness, that happened to me last week. And then you have this kind of feeling of connectedness around this 
vulnerability that then becomes, oh, well, I'm not alone. I'm not unique. I'm not the only one. And then there's some strength the next time that thing happens. It's like, oh, okay. You know, Fred had this happen. I'm okay. Fred and I are okay. What's really interesting about that for me is, and apparently this is going to be a theme for today's theme. A theme for the theme. Yeah, because what what came to me was the thinking about when I was growing up, it is different than what I perceive happening today. And that idea about by sharing your vulnerability you become less vulnerable. Right. And when you don't share it, you become more vulnerable. What that triggered for me was the idea that, you know, part of what was happening, especially in the late 50s and through the 60s, as the laws were changing and as civil rights was such a big focus in the country, was that in the African-American community, it wasn't belittling or embarrassing to say you had been treated a certain way incorrectly. I mean, that that you had experienced Mm -hmm. unfair treatment or someone had said something that was insulting or rude Mm -hmm. to you because if I said that, there would be dozens of people who would relate to it and say, absolutely, that has happened to me, or here's what I... Do this. Here's what I do when that has happened to me. Or yes, that's happened to our parents and the, our parents before them. And in that sense, there's a community. Mm-hmm. The entire community was vulnerable, and you were just one piece of that bigger vulnerability. But it brought the community together. Right, and it made it stronger, I think, when you so look at it. it made it that stronger community. internally, mm-hmm. and it made it stronger because conditions were such that, yes, over time, and over an extended period of time, there was always that push that as a community we will get, things will get better and we will work toward that. And the reason I think I see that now based on what you were saying is because I don't think that same sense of shared community exists right. in most most places today because the black community it, it's where there is a solid black community physically it's often a result of socioeconomic choices mm. and options and limitations and so you know, black folks are now so dispersed and distributed into all our aspects of urban areas, of urban cities, that you, there's some of that, but there's not as much. So the vulnerability often feels bigger mm-hmm. because you're not necessarily a part of a community of people who are having that same experience. And that's an interesting idea if you are involved in any community, a spiritual community or a tight-knit friend community, do you have a a greater chance of being able to share vulnerability and be strengthened through that 
if you're more isolated, like you're saying, kids coming home to an empty house and not having anyone to really process. When mom comes home, she's got to cook, she's tired. Dad's, you know, tired. Everybody's sort of living in their own little silos, and nobody's really bridging across and saying, how was your day? What was the best part of your day? What was the scariest part of your day? What was the funnest part, the saddest part? and really opening those conversations to give people a safe place to talk. So do we have a spiritual community that we can say, you know, this is this is a difficulty or this is a fear or this is... Because I think, it, you know, what is it? We're sick as our secrets, and our secrets kind of make us vulnerable. That's a 12-step saying. We're sick as our secrets. And, you know, um, you know, just even this morning, I, I had a client, and he, people in therapy will say these things that they think they are just the, the only, only one that have ever experienced this, and it's and it's so sad to me to see. It's you know very positive to me financially, but it's very sad to me to see that this permeates the you know it kind of creates this all sorts of dysfunction to try to hide this vulnerability or this thing that we think we are that nobody else is, these fears. And is vulnerability faced, is it is it is it based in some sort of the, the not healthy vulnerability? Is that based in some sort of fear, some sort of self-esteem issue, some sort of, would I be vulnerable if I, you know, knew the truth of who I was? Would I, would I fall prey to that? that anxiety-producing vulnerability, if I really fully embraced that I am God expressing? Uh, I love this topic because, you know, um, there's a simple answer to that, and then there's kind of this huge answer to that. Don't give us the huge answer. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, the, the simple answer is, if you really know that you are one with God, then you are not vulnerable to anything except love and uh, right action, and there's nothing to fear, and there's, you know, nothing to be worried about. And the big answer is, right, I mean, but, yeah. you know, the big huge answer is we're having a human experience. Oh, keep going back to that. Every, you know, every day, and the human experience constantly bombards us with things that are out of our control, people who are different from us and have a different perspective, um, just existing and going through life every day, being faced with change and choice. And, I mean, we're vulnerable in every one of those situations that where we don't know what the outcome is going to be or mm-hmm. where we think we know what the outcome is going to be and it's something different. You know, in that, in that sense, we're hugely vulnerable to the experience of life. And and then for me, of course, I still go back to, and if I know who I really am and who I really am, if I know that I am grounded in and inseparable from spirit, then I can feel vulnerable. It's like we say, feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah, I can not become it. Yeah. I can notice that I'm feeling vulnerable and I can make a choice about what to do. Right, how to respond. Now, when we become 
going back to the anti-Leslie idea of you know both and. So now we've kind of gone through the the, the negative, the, the not so healthy vulnerability. Is there is there something to be said for fully embracing the God expressing? Does that make us look? Because I I know I'm probably less in touch with that now than I used to be years ago. I was fairly free flowing in that, and people would would think I was a little nutty in a different way than they think I'm nutty today. But, you know, they sort of like kind of high or something. You know, a lot of times people thought I was on drugs because I had this kind of, you know, nothing's going to really touch me, nothing can really hurt me, nothing can... It was, it was, it was disconnected from what people have agreed upon as the human, you know, experience. And in theory that would have left me vulnerable to people's opinions or vulnerable to being taken advantage of or someone, you know, using or abusing my, you know, have whatever you want, do whatever you want kind of experience. But I feel like that vulnerability was a, was um, a strength. It was a, it was a, I was, I was like innocent the vulnerability, the vulnerability was an innocent kind of thing, but there was a lot of strength in there. There's a lot of protection in that. There wasn't any, there wasn't any way that I could be hurt because I was in some sort of, you know, flow of the experience of truth. So, even though I think it appeared sort of vulnerable and weak and sort of naive to people, it was a real. There was an inner strength at the core of it. But that vulnerability, that kind of really living out sort of an innocent God expressing, that can be seen as being sort of stupid. But it's a strong vulnerable. <laughs> and well, and another example, I agree with you, and another example of, of the healthy vulnerability is, you know, when we... Whether either with our family, family of origin, or more often, or even more often, when we choose to be in committed relationship with someone or someone, because you know we think about spouse or partner, but I also think about you know when I think of my inner circle, mm-hmm. my closest friends. Part of what I commit to and part of what makes those relationships so wonderful is that I choose to be vulnerable. I choose to share my fears, my, you know, failures, my, you know, the things that I wouldn't necessarily share with everyone. Right. It's because I share that information with them that because I am vulnerable with them that they are as close as they are, and I am I feel as close and connected to them. Right. And that's the healthy vulnerability, which I guess that's why people get afraid of it because if you share at that level with another person, yeah, 
and you don't intimacy. know if they're going to tell. Right, so it's intimacy and vulnerability, I mean, they're very related. Right. Because <clears throat> if you create that intimacy, but then someone, you know, goes and posts what you said on Facebook. <laughs> right. You know not to do that again, but that basically means you were vulnerable and your trust was violated, and it does affect the intimacy you have with that person. And is there is there would 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 you say that there is a sort of a vulnerability to God that is rooted in a real strength, but it seems vulnerable. It seems like is pure love, fairly vulnerable, and it's. And its expression, does it express in a way that we would say, oh, that seems kind of vulnerable, that seems kind of kind of just too exposed, but it's this core strength, that this core knowing, this core something really deeply rooted that then can take life in this sort of vulnerable, open, 24-7, you know, no... No human uh, boundary kind of expression. So I'm That's not too hippie. Sh- I'm not sure I followed you. I think you lost me at no boundaries. No, I think you lost me at what I interpreted as God as vulnerable. Yes. Do you see God as vulnerable? And I just kind of can't get there. So I think because you lost me there, I couldn't follow <laughs> any of the rest of it. Uh-huh. Because I, it's hard for me mm-hmm. to attribute human emotion mm-hmm. to the unlimited totality of God. Right. And I know that all the emotions are things that are within the circle of God, but it's not an attribute of God itself or the spirit itself. Right. So I couldn't follow. I'm sure that was brilliant, but I just couldn't follow it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I. So we're, you we're talking about spirit itself, Pure not love. someone who, not a human being who is. Attempting to live the connection with spirit, I could maybe get there with that because <laughs> a human being can uh-huh. feel vulnerability, but I couldn't get to spirit or God being vulnerable. The 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 idea of pure love, the expression of pure love appearing pure appearing vulnerable. I I can't see that. Yeah. I'm not saying it's wrong. No, I I know. I'm just thinking. I can't get there worded that way. Right, right, right. And so I can't get there enough to see the point you're making (laughs) that then I could reword it. Well, the point being that if we truly um, express, we we would never, there would be no need to, you know, lock our doors or guard our emotion or protect our feelings or, you know, okay, pick and so choose Okay, so now you're putting it into a human, human experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, if all of us 
always expressed pure love and lived with that, then vulnerability would never have a negative outcome. Right. The vulnerability, the, the essence of who we are, this love expression, which w- could be perceived, I think, I think perception, because I have to label everything somehow through work. Right. But it makes it difficult. <laughs> but it could be perceived as vulnerability would really be kind of an innocence, a purity that would never be, you know, trampled on in theory if everybody was kind of on the same page of, you know, expressing, you know, if, if everyone's intention was pure love then we, 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 there wouldn't be any need to protect our vulnerability. Unfortunately. You're saying we don't live in that world. Unfortunately. Or fortunately, depending on your perspective, because of the unlimited creativity of spirit itself, there are almost 7 billion people existing in the world, and every one of them is unique. Billion. Almost. Wow. And every one of them is unique. And so... Even dreaming that everyone would have the exact same way of expressing pure love is... No, they wouldn't have the exact same way of expressing it, but the expression of it would never be taken advantage of. There wouldn't be that kind of pesky little human thing. There were were only healthy expressions of love. Yes, yes, yes. That pesky little human thing wouldn't come out and, you know, have somebody steal money when they... Could, even if they, you know, even if they could, they wouldn't. Just because they right, could. Right, right, right. Which is a whole other story. <laughs> Have I ever talk, told the um, Pink Lake story? Pink Lake? No, definitely no. Definitely no. I would remember <clears throat> a Pink Lake. Lock Rose, which is um, in French, the Pink Lake. Lock Rose. And um, in Senegal, there is a lake that is... Where's Senegal? In Senegal, which is on the west coast of Africa, ah. <clears throat> there is a lake that is pink instead no of way. blue. No way. Yes Literally? Way. Yes way. Yeah, it's not the only one in the world. Um, and the reason the water appears to be pink to the visual, to the human eye, um, is because of the chemistry it, this lake is situated in such a way that it's near the ocean, but it's not, you know, but it's inland a little bit. And the salt and the, the chemistry mm-hmm. is the chemical interaction results in the water appearing pink. Wow. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. Wow. And so when we went to do this tour in Senegal, Senegal and we were you know, driving to to Pink Lake, to Lake Rose, um, because of it, it's a shallow lake and the chemistry creates salt. So the salt is mined from the bed of the lake and then the salt refineries, you know, mm. take that raw salt and they, you know, create salt for commercial use or for personal use. So as we were driving around the lake, we noticed there were all these 
piles of salt. Think of little mini pyramids, but salt just piled up into wow. triangles. And, um, and I mean, they were, you know, all sizes. And the tour guide was explaining to us, and there were some people in the water actually mining the, the um, you know, some manual labor process. Oh. And they, you know, taking baskets and buckets and getting the salt off the bottom and then wow. going back and putting it on their pile. So, of course, somebody on the tour said, what, you know, how do they know where to put it? And then the tour guide showed us that each little, you know, triangle, each little pyramid of salt has some kind of marking on it, like a family name or a family symbol or whatever. And so we're like, oh, that's really cool. And then once he pointed that out to us, we started noticing that. And then someone else in the on the tour said, wait a minute. They're all out in the open, and yeah, they've got, you know, like Tracy's mark on it, and that one's got Leslie's mark on it. But what is it that would keep me from going over to Leslie's and, like, Instead of getting in the water and getting, you know, getting wet and salty and all of that and bringing it back and walking down to the far end, what would just keep me from just taking a bucket or a basket of Leslie's <laughs> and taking it over to mine because then, you know, the salt company comes and they get it up and they, they, they pick it up and they know who to pay. Right. And the tour guide said to us, actually he stopped the vehicle. <laughs> And it was a small group of us, so we were in a little van. And he stopped the vehicle, and he said, what? <laughs> and so the person repeated the question, uh-huh. and he said, no one would even think to do that. Mm-hmm. No one would think to go and take your work mm-hmm. and put, and claim it as their own. Right. No one... It, and someone else in the group said, "Oh yeah, because somebody would see him, right?" And you know, and there, and he was like, "No, if the, if if they were the only one on the lake that day, and nobody else was around, they wouldn't. It's just not in the mindset, right? That sense of my stuff is not vulnerable to theft by mm-hmm. you or right. by someone else in our own community." Or someone even coming at night, right? You know, because literally at night it's still open, right? And and of course, us Americans in the um, in the van were like, "Really? What's wrong with these people?" Well, like, really? <laughs> wow! Isn't that interesting? But see, I think that's my thinking: is that there's a pureness, uh, there is a way to live, a, you know, a communal. Life that is based in authenticity that we don't that, that like you know we're all in the van going you know how could they not even think that yeah don't they don't they why don't they have gates around <laughs> you know, they're locking keys why don't they have fences around there? right you have your why don't they have dogs guarding <laughs> their you know their pile of salt. It's their life, and truly, it's like their it's livelihood. their livelihood. Their family wouldn't eat if someone stole their salt. Mm-hmm. But the person, you know, and there were some stacks that were, you know, like six feet tall, and right next to it would be one that was two and a half feet tall. And you'd think, 
what would keep them, and what keeps them is the connection to spirit, right. which is which is a good segue to that, and that's what our show is all about. <laughs> when you Very say good. yes to spirit, <laughs> but isn't that strange? That I mean, I don't know. We've evolved on you know this side of the pond to the extent that we have to you know, have radio shows to remind ourselves to say yes to spirit and have, you know, all these kind of um, little things set up throughout the day. You know, I can remember when I was doing Course in Miracles and I would set my alarm so that every hour I would be reminded to say a mantra that would reconnect me with the truth of who I was. Instead of just having the truth of who I was be the thing all throughout the day, these false, not false, but, you know, these, Preconceived or pre or these contrived devices, you know, to reconnect us with the truth of who we are, which is always the truth and always available and present and always existing, and we just get distracted by all this other stuff. Yeah, it's scary that we consider ourselves so much more evolved. Oh, yes. And I often, often think about, well, physically, in terms of physical labor, it would be harder to go back to the 40s or the 20s or the 1800s or the 1600s. It would be hard. But I often think about the simplicity of it and the there's so many few layers that have to work through right. and interpret and understand. It's like sometimes I long for that. Sim- no, let me rephrase that. Sometimes I'm curious about <laughs> what that simplicity would be like. Yeah, I don't usually long for mm-hmm. it because I am not ready or willing to give up so many of the conveniences that I experience living in this day and time. But it, it is it is something to think about. It is so interesting because I think um, when people think about, now I'm getting off into something I don't even know what I'm getting off into, but the concept is there's these indigenous tribes that are probably purely expressing God in a very authentic way, and there's people in my country, United States of America, that go over there to save them, to bring God to them, and um, and how strange that is, because I I think the intention of these people is certainly they think they're protecting them or bringing something to protect them, because they seem so vulnerable, and I sat through a a little community event a few weeks ago with some of the women from the jail that had graduated and gone on to a different program. And this group of women who have created a nonprofit, a Christian nonprofit, that have made their goal is to help incarcerated women with small children re-enter the the workplace. And they had created this fabulous event to give them some fabulous skills, but we had to read the Bible verses and we had to look at what the women were doing, the ex-inmates were doing, and had to find where is Jesus in that, where is the blood of Christ in this. And and the language was all around trying to trying to help these 
poor people, you know, these, not poor necessarily right. financially, but, you know, these poor old inmates, you know, these poor prisoners, and I've got something that can help strengthen them. And, and their vulnerability or their natural state of who they were seemed, you know, they they seemed they seemed vulnerable to in order to access what they needed to get some help finding employment or to get some resources, you know, they kind of had to um, requiesce to this kind of thinking to get something. And or yeah, or at least behave in a way that convinced people that. <laughs> Doing that, right. and so you know, um, I, that is, we could do a whole show on this because it is one of my biggest hot buttons, actually. Because see, for me, I'll immediately go back uh-huh. to two things: Columbus discovering America, uh-huh. which yeah. which already existed and already had full blown civilizations <laughs> of people. Okay, so number one, and then. The slavery and the impact of that, and and all of the 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 uh, the only reason I believe that black folks were able to survive the the institution of slavery was because of the strength of the right. spiritual connection spiritual. that existed before, but then being in the U.S. having to mirror, model, and accept the re- the Christian religion of the slave owners mm-hmm. in order to survive in the culture and, you know, in order to literally not be killed, you know, or not be punished severely. But the connection, you know, was already there. And the connection... Um, all, was not just already there innately, which it is for all of us, but was already there in a very structured format. So when you go to Brazil or uh, some places in Central America and you see how some of the African spiritual traditions have been merged with Catholicism because mm-hmm. so many of the the you know folks who developed the U.S. and or the Americas the U.S., Mexico, Central America, South America, the islands, you know, came from the Spanish culture, from the Catholic culture in Europe. Um, so it's like, oh, and you can see the Yoruba and African traditions and how they merged them, and there were whole societies built up around that. But in public, oh, interesting. In public, oh, we're Catholic. Oh, wow. And in the U.S., oh, we're Christian, and now that is true, but thinking back 300 years, you know, it's like, yeah, why is it that that there is this assumption that my way is better and I'm going to help you evolve? Right, that there's some vulnerability that has to be sort of beaten out of you in a way if you have this kind of pure spirit. If there's something that the, the and I you know I definitely know these women at this event you know their intention their mind they they certainly really believe they were giving something of true value and they were and um, it I I just it was so sad to see that they couldn't see the vulnerability of these women as a strength in their own little journey through their life it and I think. 
And I do think there is something there's very something very slippery slope about that. That 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 you know once you cross that line of shifting from you know wanting to celebrate someone versus wanting to get them to do something so that you know you feel better about yourself. Right, and you feel affirmed. Yeah, and you feel that your way of thinking and being in the world is um, is now better. So yeah, the arrogance the affirmation, and really it is the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It is disrespectful, but that's not the word I'm looking for. Uh, But that being blind to the value of another way. Of what is already there, Another way. Mm -hmm. It's not your way, but it is having the same result or outcome. Mm -hmm. Um, And that comes up a lot you know, in the diversity work that I do, not just around race, that for every, any group identity that comes up a lot. So, And was there a vulnerability in the idea that we don't have the way? Would there, would we have to admit some vulnerability to say that there's a lot of ways? Is that seen as weak? Why is it that I have to have the way? You know, why, is there certain, is that shore me up or make me feel stronger if I feel like I've got the way versus just a way that's just a value equal to other ways? Is there some vulnerability that I'm trying to protect myself from? See, I think the whole idea of protecting power. power. And even in the U.S., the individualization, that you are the individual and you are in control of what you achieve in the world and and your life, Mm -hmm. you have the power to control your own destiny. Mm -hmm. I think it's more about power, seeking, achieving, and maintaining power than any fear. Well, the fear of being vulnerable is about losing power. I see. Yes, yes, yes. In that context. In that context, yes. So, um, I... Wow, we have less than five minutes remaining in the show. Vulnerability. And who would have guessed it with the topic vulnerability? I was thinking, well, this might be a ten-minute show. Then what would we talk about? <laughs> you know, it is, and I, and I, I come back to the idea of gullibility. You know, I think that vulnerability gets a bad, it's a charged word, and I think that the idea of it being negative is really probably man-created and that, you know, being vulnerable is 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 um, a very kind of probably quite spiritual thing, you know, to be able to be open to our vulnerability and share that and we gain strength from it. And I don't know any meditation. Do you know any, what would, what would be a way to be more practice, a spiritual practice to be, um, it would would the goal be to be, be less vulnerable? See, I don't even think that's a goal necessarily. Or to be more vulnerable, rooted in in spirit and love and not rooted in fear or um, anxiety? Yeah, I think um, more vulnerability of the healthy kind, of the vulnerability that builds relationships yeah. and builds trust, um, would be would be a good goal. And I think 
saying yes to spirit is a part of that. You well, know, a Bible or a prayer study or a prayer group. Mm-hmm. Exactly. What was work mm-hmm. and what was coming to mind with me for me was service. Oh, right. I was having a conversation this morning with someone who talked about one of the ways one of their one of her spiritual practices really is sacred service. Being of service to other people in ways that honor them, respect them, help them do what they are want to do. Mm. Which is different from the arrogance of I know what you need <laughs> right. now, you know. But but sacred service of um you know, is a spiritual practice that, that, you know, a conscious spiritual practice. What have I done today to be of service to someone? And when you do that, you are vulnerable. Yes. You're very vulnerable to open yourself up to people saying, no, I don't want that, or even if it's something they said they wanted, that you're opening up to a place of feeling level versus mm-hmm. a thinking and intellectual level. Right. Yes, and that does that does we do get scared of that. There is a certain amount of societal fear around opening ourselves up, letting ourselves be open to, you know, full expression of God and to be open to each other. I never think about service being a spiritual practice. Why is that, Tracy Brown? That must say something about me. <laughs> but it is a spiritual practice. I don't know. It's, it's one of the big and, spiritual practices. And you do a lot of it. I do. I do. And I'm thinking, you know, in vulnerability, if if I saw that, the strength in that this week, I, I, um, I think, and, I, and, and there's a difference between being vulnerable and being pitiful. Oh, we didn't really talk about that. And we don't have time. <laughs> that just kind of came up. So we don't have time to talk about that, but pitiful, we should have that as a subject. I know, I'm not ready. Pity, pitiful? No, I'm not ready for that. Or what is what is next week? We go into July next week, can you believe? We go into July, we start the second half of the year with a month-long series on relationships, ah. but not romantic Oh, thank goodness. Rela- all other kinds of relationships, the relationships we have with the people we work with, the relationships mm. we have in the community, the relationships we have with strangers. Oh, I like that. Yes. And then finally we'll end the month with the relationship we have with ourselves, which is saying the mm. relationship we have with spirit or with God. Nice. So the month of July 2012 will be focused on relationships, but that's all the time we have today to talk about vulnerability. So, um, anything else that comes to mind before we close out? I cannot think of it. I cannot think of it. In that case, then, we are signing off, and until we connect again, say yes Yes to to spirit. spirit.
my throat. You gotta be so cold. Yeah, you're a natural. Alexa, play Imagine Dragons. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.